0: Golf and rock and roll, not logical, but it is fascinating.
1: Playing down that big old fairway Don't want no hackers to get my way The boys and me got a big Nassau going, people to drive.
2: It's the Golf Insiders, giving you the inside scoop on all things golf. Now, here are your Golf Insiders on 740 The Game. I
1: love to play. Hey, fucking ball. We love it. And turn on the
3: light. I love to play. Hello, Orlando. You're listening to the Golf Insiders, taking you home on the fairways of I-4, in the house, Holly G., Along with my co pilot of the evening, Mr. Kevin Sternett, golf professional at the Golden Bear Club in beautiful Keens Point, and our social media guru, Will Perry, who wants to remind all of our listeners to follow us on Facebook and Twitter at the Golf Insiders. Hey, Will, how are you tonight?
1: I'm doing great. Thank you very much, Holly, and yourself.
3: Well, and Kevin, what would you think of the big win at Harbortown for Brandon Grace? First time win, South African, and uh, 14th in the world, which a lot of people might not be aware of.
1: Yeah, if you don't follow golf on a regular basis, you would never know because he's the silent, silent golfer from South Africa.
3: He has a great swing, and, man, his, his flat stick was looking very good on Sunday. I personally was rooting for my man Luke Donald. 78 tournaments since his last win. And, you know, a lot of people may have forgotten Luke Donald was number one in the world before a guy named Rory McIlroy came around. So, you know, that smooth swing, and uh, but he couldn't get it done. Sixth top Three finish for Luke at Harbortown. Um, oh, amazing. I, you know, it's, uh, he he just can't seem to get it done there, but he sure does play well, and it was a great tournament right up to the end. And Bryson DeChambeau debuts <laughs> as a professional right off of his fantastic master's finish on Sunday as an amateur. Rolls right into Hilton Head and finishes sixth, fourth in his first professional tournament. Well, we're not going to waste any time. We're going to get right into our golf talk tonight and go to uh, the man who is uh, familiar to a lot of people here in Orlando, Jeff Shane, formerly with the Orlando Sentinel, now the big cheese up at the Island Packet (laughs) in beautiful Hilton Head Island. Hey, Jeff, great to hear from you. How are you doing, Ollie? We are doing well, but what a beautiful weekend it was in Hilton, and nothing prettier than the Calabogie Sound. I love Hilton Head, love that golf course, and it did not disappoint. Uh, these guys had a tough time getting it done.
4: They really did. Uh, all it takes is a, a, a few, uh, a little bit of wind, and and just some good strategic set up by uh, the PGA Tour officials or or, the course designers, and we know what Pete Dye has done with different courses over the years, but uh, uh, this course has stood the test of time, and uh, I think Saturday's round, was the average score was like 75 with the wind up, so uh, everybody got challenged, and uh, I think we crowned a great winner on Sunday. Yeah,
3: I I was just mentioning that a lot of people might not realize that Brandon Grace uh, is 14th in the world, and he was knocking on the door a few times last year. And, uh, you know, South Africans, between Louis Oosthuizen and Charles Schwartzl, Ernie Els, they got some game over there in South Africa.
4: They do. And, uh, and Brandon Grace is an uh, alumni of uh, Ernie Els' junior program. Uh, that he set up in South Africa. So there's a very direct connection between the two. And it was interesting, uh, after uh, the win was locked up and he came in and talked to all of us, uh, Brandon Grace had also mentioned that uh, Ernie kind of cornered him earlier this year, or maybe it was late last year, and said, you need to put Harbortown on your schedule. I think that's a place where you can win multiple times. And it only took one.
3: <laughs> wow pretty good uh good advice there maybe uh maybe worth a a good good meal for ernie uh with the big victory for Brandon well, it was definitely a breakthrough for him and I know you got a chance to spend a little time with bryson D. chambeau Tell us about that i know you you sat down with him and found out a little bit more about this uh this new star on the horizon
4: yeah he's been a professional one week. And he might already be the most interesting guy uh, in and around the PGA Tour. Can't say he's a PGA Tour member yet, but he's a third of the way to the FedEx Cup points that he needs to become uh, to get that uh, special temporary status. But uh, just a fascinating guy uh, and really gave some great insight uh, into kind of the, uh, the marriage of science and feel. In golf, uh, he's already kind of been known as the mad scientist uh, for his, uh, his his experimental irons that are all the same length, all the same weight, uh, and, and really maybe a, an idea whose time is uh, well past uh, past come. I mean, I know from my own standpoint, uh, it's like, well, if we're supposed to develop uh, one swing and make it repeatable, why do we have to hold clubs of different sizes? And so this kind of answers my question. And um, I've, I've asked a lot of golfers over the years, uh, you know, where does science and, and art begin? And Bryson DeChambeau gave the best answer of anybody that I've ever heard in that uh, you, you take the science, you develop it, you, you apply it to your own baseline, your own swing, uh, and over time, you develop your rhythms and your patterns, and that's how feel develops. And then you can start to become an artist with your golf clubs. And, and that's just a paraphrase. He said it much better than I did. But uh, like I say, may already be. If he's not the most interesting man out there on tour, and I know Jeff Ogilvie has held that crown for a long time, but uh, Bryson DeChambeau is easily top five.
3: Well, in quite an interesting marriage between he and Cobra, Puma Golf. We know they have certainly uh, set the pace to be probably one of the more cutting edge companies with some of their players that they've signed, like Ricky Fowler. But this was a whole new challenge for them.
4: Yeah, and it's still a little bit of a challenge because right now, as it stands, uh, Deshambeau is hitting, uh, is using uh, Cobra Wedges and Cobra Driver but, but the irons three through nine and, and maybe even some of the some of the higher wedges uh is prototype set that's made by Adele. Uh until Cobra gets everything right uh and and, and it's you know it's experimented with and, and uh and tested on the range, uh Cobra does not have that full bag yet. Um, but uh, it'll it'll be a good challenge for them, and you know, technology being what it is today, I don't have any doubt that Cobra and DeChambeau will eventually get all the specs and all the feels right on that. Um, but uh, it's a it's a great uh, it's a great concept, and if DeChambeau has any sort of success, you're going to see a lot of golfers run out and see a set of single length.
3: Well, we know with all the improvements in equipment and the golf ball uh, that the one thing we still haven't seen is the average golfer's handicap drop dramatically. So, you know, maybe this is something that, that will help change golf and make it easier to play. Kevin, you're a pro. You teach people every day. What do you think?
1: You know, it's interesting as we teach, well, as I play and I play with uh, members or friends or whatever, one thing that I stress is that I won't teach people on the golf course because you have different swings for each iron or for each driver. I may show you something with your driver, um, one hole and then you may not hit that driver for another couple holes and you try to use that same swing with the sand wedge or whatever. You know, and the thing that he's done is he's perfected his swing to the 70 degree plane. Up, down, same plane every single time with all of his clubs. So maybe he's changing the way that we should now teach our our friends, our members, or anything like that. It's been very interesting. I mean, I almost want to give him the moniker of most interesting man in golf now.
3: Well, and it's interesting because he was saying that that's why, and I think we all have, you know, that favorite club in the bag. And why? Because we are the most comfortable at Mm -hmm. that angle. So I think it's going to be interesting how this plays out. What was uh, your biggest surprise uh, takeaway from from the Heritage, Jeff?
4: Well, I I think that this was Brandon Grace's coming out party. Um, we had seen plenty of him in the majors last year. You know, he was one shot out of the playoffs at St Andrews. He was one bad shot away from being in contention all the way to the finish at Chambers Bay. And if you looked his, at his bio and his resume. He's already won ten times overseas. He's been on my radar for about three years now, so no surprise that that he had success. Um, it's a little baffling how Luke Donald uh, can uh, get into contention, even when he hasn't had a great year. In fact, uh, this was his first top twenty finish uh, of the entire season for Luke Donald. But you know, there there are courses where golfers just seem to get healthy at. Uh, and feel comfortable and, and and harbortown is certainly that for luke donald it's just a question of what does it take for him to actually play well enough on sunday to to be able to put it away the the interesting thing about sundays and luke donald is a somebody always shoots 66 or better to cast him when he takes the lead into sunday but b He's not only once at Harbertown has he shot 60 better than 69 on a Sunday, and he's gonna have to figure that out. But uh, boy, four runner up finishes, two third place finishes. He's never been able to put on the tartan jacket, but can we buy him a pair of plaid pants?
3: (laughs) I think he deserves them, and you know, Luke Donald, Luke Donald, a great guy and former number one, so. Uh, It would be great to see him back back on the leaderboards more often, and hopefully this will be some rejuvenation to his game and feeling what it's like to be in that pressure situation on Sunday. Well, as always, Jeff, we appreciate your time, and it's great to have you back on the show. Jeff Shane from the Island Packet in Hilton Head Island. Thanks so much for spending some time with us, Jeff.
4: Glad to do it. Call any time.
3: Alright, you're listening to the Golf Insiders 969 the game. Stay with us. More golf talk coming up.
0: Quite an impact, actually. Uh, when he sent uh, three iron hit me in the back of the head.
1: I can't believe I'm into this. I really hate to lose. Asking forgiveness. Got this
0: We're back, the
3: Golf Insiders, taking you home on the fairways of I-4 in the house. Holly G, along with Kevin Sternett from the Golden Bear Club, and Will Perry, our social media guru. If you need any help with your social media, call Will Perry at Evolve. Evis is the company, evis.com. And you want to... Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at The Golf Insiders because we just have a lot to talk about and we just can't talk about it all in an hour. So a quick rundown of some of the golf headlines. Adam Scott opts to not play in the Rio Olympics And word that Tiger Woods is ramping up his practice in hopes of a PGA Tour return soon. Danny Willett joins the PGA Tour after his Masters victory. And Johnston seals his first win at Valderrama over in the European Tour. While Minji Lee shoots 64 to win the LPGA Tour's Latte Championship. So, lots going on in the world of golf. And... A lot going on here at the Golf Insiders. As always, we like to bring you the latest products, hottest products in the golf world. And we've got our featured product of the month, which is Swing Click, the world's number one golf transition trainer. And we have on the line all the way from Somerset West, South Africa, Liesl Niehaus, the managing director, and Mike Quinn from SwingClick. Click Swing Hi, Liesl and Mike. Welcome to the show. Great to have you on. I discovered the Swing Click in 2015 and I thought it was one of the most brilliant training devices I've ever seen in my 20 plus years in the golf business. I know you've had tremendous success. Tell us more about the Swing Click. Thanks, Holly.
2: Um, yes, so, so the Swing is a rhythm and tempo trainer um you strap it on your arm and it clicks at the top of your backswing. it clicks at impact and then when you're finished in a balanced position so like a metronome it gives you a reference point for for good rhythm and timing um and that's the basis of it um it, it really the the key to it is that it helps you complete your backswing so Um, As you know, a great rhythm starts by finishing your backswing. And as we get um, under pressure on a golf course, we tend to get quicker and quicker, and we tend to shorten our backswings, and that's how we lose our rhythm. So it's really simple um, and just works
3: on rhythm and timing. Well, we saw an unfortunate demonstration of that with Jordan Spieth at the Masters, after going bogey bogey on the back nine and then as he said not taking the time to take a deep breath and you know collect himself swung probably a little too quickly and we know what happened from there so you know this happens even to the pros when they get out of sync
5: yeah holly the the key factor is is rhythm and um I mean, just just watching Spieth on that final day, uh, he kind of lost the rhythm of of, uh, even maybe a little bit of his thought pattern. Um, So, yeah, rhythm is everything. And uh, if you can keep your rhythm in your golf swing, you can shoot decent golf scores.
3: Well, we talk often that under pressure, golfers get too quick at the top. And the idea with the swing click is the fact that you you can actually when you take the club to the top of your backswing, that you hear the click, so you know the exact point of transition. Can can you talk a little bit more about that, Liesel?
2: Um, yes. So so it's really about creating the muscle memory of reaching the top of your backswing, and as as golfers, we each uh, all our swings are different. Uh, we, our length of swing is different. As you get older, your swing tends to get shorter and shorter. Um, so there's no one size fits all in terms of the back, the top of the back swing. Um, and the key is that for each golfer, you need to find the top of your back swing consistently. And that's how the swing kick helps you. Well, one of the, key... go ahead, Mike.
5: Sorry, I was just going to say, um, you know, it gives you positive feedback um, as to say that, yes, you're in a good position. Yes, you can go.
3: Well, not only is the the top of the backswing important, but as we all know, it's what happens at impact as well as your follow through. And this is you, you put the three components together and this is what builds a consistent, dependable, reliable swing, especially in those moments of pressure.
5: Correct. You know, what you develop on the practice key, you take to the golf course. And, you know, if you can develop something on a, on a, on a, on a practice tee that is constructive and, and, and you know, what I found in my own personal experience is, you know, I can hear the clicks in my head without using the device anymore because I've been using it for quite a long time. And um, I'm able to take that to the golf course. And essentially, I can almost swing it, pretty much swing at the same rhythm with the device on or without the device. And um, I'm able to take it to the golf course.
3: Now, the device came out last year and made it to number one on Amazon last summer. You launched the Swing Click Plus in the 2016 PGA Show just a few months ago. I know it's a little bit sleeker and more dynamic in terms of the design. Also, an improved uh, armband that just slips up over your forearm which uh, is just, you know, it's a, it's a super fit. And what I love the most is this is so portable. You can just put it in the pocket in your bag, or, you know, if you're a woman, you can slip it in your purse. And it's just, it's, it's a training device that you can use with your own clubs. It's not clunky or embarrassing to take to the range. And you can practice on the range and then take it to the golf course. I love that. It's so effective.
2: Absolutely. And, and we've had such great feedback. Um, last week I was chatting to one of our clients in, in the UK and he was saying he he's, doesn't play golf regularly. He plays about four times a year. And when he does play, he really has doesn't do so great. And he, he took the swing kick to the range just once. And now he's got that kicking sound. Yeah, you know, in his muscle memory, and he's going every time he gets on a course. Now he just clicks, makes a sound in his head, and he said it has done amazing things for his golf. So, so you can use it consistently, um, and and really see great results. But if you're somebody that doesn't get the chance to practice, you can still just warm up with it before you start a round of golf, and. And you create that point of reference of finding the top of your back swing, which just improves your rhythm. I love using it in the office. And you can do
3: it without a club as well, which really is, is fun and effective.
5: Great. Absolutely. You can use it at any time.
3: So recently, prior to the Masters, Phil Mickelson made a comment and actually seems to be on a little bit of a mission, Mike, to get a message out. And he said said you can play golf for a lifetime and injury-free if you swing the club like Bobby Jones did, where it's a swinging motion rather than a violent motion. A lot of the young guys continue to get hurt as they create this violent, connected movement. I don't believe that's the way to swing the golf club. I think that you want to use leverage and quiet your body down so that the arc in the club head can swing and accelerate. He's hoping kids will start playing golf and swinging the club less violently, so they'll be able to play and enjoy the game of golf for a lifetime. I imagine the swing click can help young players, beginners especially, to develop a smooth, slow swing.
5: Well, absolutely, Holly. This, this, you know, we, we're, you know, if you if you work on the on the speed of the swing click. It doesn't create really any um, violent movements, and, and, and a large part of it is to create as smooth a transition as possible. And I think a, a wonderful example of, of, of somebody who spent his entire golf swing uh, golf career swinging the club is probably Sam Sneed And uh, you know, to see his longevity in the game as well, um, you know, winning at his age. Um, based on the fact that he can swing a golf club, um, you know the technology exists now. The balls go far. You don't really have to do that much more to hit the ball far. Um, the emphasis must become has to become on hitting fairways and greens. You know it's not really about distance.
4: Well, Danny w-
5: Willett, with all due respect, wasn't that long uh, in relation to the rest of the field. Jordan Spieth is not long in relation to the other guys that are playing against. So the emphasis must become, you know, I, well, obviously I'd like to see it become on more on accuracy, but, uh, you know, it, it, it lends to the golf
3: courses. Couldn't agree with you more. Speaking of uh, great players, <laughs> one of your countrymen, Brendan Grace, just had his first victory on the PGA Tour at the RBC in Town. Great victory. Many might not know that uh, he's 14th in the world was close to the to the winter circle uh, several times last year can you tell us a little bit about Brandon
5: well he certainly seems to be a player that's getting better and better um, you know he's, he's uh, for a little while there people thought he was a bit of a journeyman pro and but um, you know Ernie's shown a lot of faith in his ability and I mean clearly we can see why and and um, you know he just seems to go from strength to strength he also seems to be a player that's uh, that's that's certainly getting better as you get older in, in, in the traditional style of the game. Um, so, certainly, you know, as South Africans, we look forward to an, another player who we think can win majors in the future. And, and, and genuinely, this guy probably will win majors in the future.
3: Well, congratulations to Brandon. And uh, as we let you go here, you've got the new Swing Click Plus uh 39.99 on amazon.com but uh, special for all our golf insiders listeners if they put in the promo code hollyg33 they're going to get 20% off correct that's correct yes and
2: they can also visit our website at swingkickgolf.com and um, we've got great videos how to use the product to get the most out of it well, Lisa and
3: Mike, thanks so much
2: for spending some
3: time on the Golf Insiders. Check out the Swing Click Plus, one of the best training products for 2016 to keep you on the green. Thanks so much, guys. Thanks, Holly. Thank you, Holly.
0: Hey, Harry, thanks a lot for all the security you provide for us.
6: Well, it's my job to keep all those nuts away from you.
1: That's just the way it is. Don't play in pebble, won't pay the price. I love my muni, I
2: think it's nice. It'd be good to just make a car.
3: So back, the Golf Insiders taking you home on the fairways of I-4 in the house. Holly G, along with Kevin Sternett from the Golden Bear Club, and Will Perry, who... Wants to remind our listeners, Will?
1: Always follow us on social media at The Golf Insiders on Facebook and Twitter, of course.
3: Absolutely. And, um, hey, something that might have been missed over the weekend at the RBC, Kevin, is that Mr. Ernie L shot 66 on Sunday and finished top five in the field for putting.
1: Are you referring to his six putt on the very first hole at the Masters last week or two weeks ago?
3: No, I'm referring to his bounce back (laughs) at the Heritage after his infamous six putt on the first hole at Augusta National during the Masters. And we wanted to bring our favorite mental conditioning coach, Dr. Bob Winters, back with us this week to talk about What Happened to Ernie, to talk about the heebie-jeebies, as Ernie has now dubbed them, and also how he bounced back this week. It's always fun to spend a few minutes on the couch with Dr. Bob Winters. Hello, Dr. Bob. Hi, Holly. How are you? Very well. So, uh, you know, probably the second biggest story outside of, or maybe the third, outside of Danny Willett winning the Masters, Jordan's collapse was Ernie Els on the first day. As we watched, many of us and thousands of thousands of views later, Ernie make that six put a num- six putt on number one. Explain how that happens.
0: Well, it happens, you know, to everyone that's actually been involved in the game has been uh, what we call a per- repetitive use syndrome. You actually put so many putts. You start creating a negative backlog, and what happens, you just sort of create a a psychological fear of missing. And I think it's really important when he calls them the heebie-jeebies. He really doesn't understand what they are. But when we start talking about the yips, you know, they they fall in type 1 and type 2. I'm not talking about diabetes here. I'm talking about the yips. But type 1 yips are a a true uh, focal dystonia, meaning it's organically based, it's neurological there's co-contractions of the muscle groups during the movement, and those are different than the type 2 yips that, you know, that are accompanied due to choking and high anxiety-based condition. There's increased arousal, high self-consciousness. Uh, there's extreme anxiety uh, due to self-evaluation. And the majority of golfers, I would say 97% of all golfers, fall into sort of this category. They sort of have what I call acute stress dysfunction. Uh, acute meaning it happens you know immediately stress because it's a stressful situation and a dysfunction of what you know we, we would expect to normally occur. What happened to Ernie? He says I just couldn't take it back, and that's a form of the but it's called freezing. And uh, I actually you know have suffered you know through that. I've gotten through it, and maybe that's why I became one of the the world's pundits in this area. Uh, along from you know many many other researchers from the Mayo Clinics you know all across the nation, and we've been on about a 25 year journey trying to figure out really what you no know, causes it. But we know that you know he got through it, and I thought you know it was the very best thing. I was talking to David Ledbetter, uh, my friend and uh, associate with the Ledbetter Golf Academy. He was working with Ernie and has worked with Ernie for years off and on, and so Ernie said, David, I need to have something to fall back on. So really the thing that David and I had actually you know talked about and told David you know to do and David actually was doing it with him was creating a really nice routine of breathing and creating a flow and then really just taking that last look coming back to the ball and sort of using you know that head turn and the breathing as a trigger to get you know the putter back and he did very nice the next day the next day we talk about the 66 at the Heritage but the you know the real bounce back was on about the third or fourth hole of that first round on Thursday during the Masters, uh, where he goes on to shoot 80. I mean, someone with this condition, Holly, could have actually shot 90, 95, and really been embarrassed. But he goes 80, 73, and then the following week he changes putters. He goes to a Seymour putter. And sometimes that's really what you need. You just need a fresh look. You need a different perspective. Because the brain's always looking for something new. It's looking for novelty. So kudos to Ernie for actually having the most ultimate bounce back of of anything. Because this was an unbelievable thing that millions and millions and millions of people witnessed. And the great news is he bounced back from it. So there's hope for everyone.
3: Well, he said that, you know, he putted fantastic, which he did. But he said the two things he did was he changed his grip, and he said, quote, I got my hands higher. What, what do you think that, how did that help him?
0: Well, you know, as far as, you know, motor control, any time that, you know, people have the yips, when we actually put them into a different or altered position, the brain and the motor cortex recognizes that. So that's why when people actually do different things with their grip. They do, you know, cross-hand, left-hand low, split grip, different finger arrangement. The brain senses that through the tactile and proprioceptive system, and it says it's different. But using a different putter for a lot of people, you know, sort of frees them up as well. But I always love what Lee Trevino said about what we call the golden putter syndrome. You grab a putter, you putt great with it for two weeks, and then you go back to poor putting again. And Trevino said it's just getting to know you a little bit. (laughs) <laughs> so, yeah oh,
3: that sounds likely well uh we've we've probably made a few people drive off ultimate i four just by saying that four letter word uh beginning with y uh it's it's not too uh far from the s word which would be shanks, which I've suffered from, and both of them are a mess all the way around. You don't want to, you don't want to have either one of them in your cellular memory. But you were shaking your head, Kevin, because you've suffered from the yips as well.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think as any golfer goes through it. I mean, you're, um, you know, you putt long enough, you tend to, you miss some three footers, and then the doubt creeps into the back of your mind: Am I going to make this one? Am I going to miss this one? You know, you just don't have that confidence to really pull the club back and putted i have friends of mine who back in the day wouldn't give me a two-footer and then uh, i went left hand low changed it up a little bit and then you know started making everything then it was back to all right that's good that's good that's good so you know like dr bob said change is good um to get you back on the right path
0: you know and the brain is always looking for something new the brain is always organizing you know uh events and and things into patterns so once the brain, and let's just think about, you know, the yips or any type of movement disorder, it's almost like setting down a, a train track. But when there is a, you know, a disjuncture, when there's a, a, a glip in the track, whatever that train is coming is going to actually go off that track. So what we have to do, we have to set, you know, down new neural tracks. And what that means is we have to have, you know, a different grip, different putter. We've got to do something different so that the brain doesn't go back into this repetitive use and actually just keep zipping off the track. But again, you know, the great news is Holly is that if you play this game for 20 plus years and you play a lot of rounds, you know, golf, you will go through this. But the great news is you work your way through it. You get through it. And when you get through it, you realize, well, you know, what was, what was that all about? And then you sort of think, that's crazy, but that's kind of how the brain sort of gets into a glitch. And that's really what, you know, Ernie actually found himself into. For the last two or three years, he's been talking about his putting, almost a negative self-fulfilling prophecy. But then when he found something, he found a drill, he really got into a routine, it freed him up. And that's why it's so important to have a flowing routine where your eyes just aren't locked into the ball but they're actually moving back and forth from the target back to the ball. So if people are having a hard time with putting, I always try to say to this, you know, get your alignment, look at the blade, look at the hole, bring your eyes back to the ball, and then go back. So it goes blade, hole, ball, back. Blade, hole, ball, back. And you get yourself into a nice tick-tocky back and forth, and it really frees you up.
3: Well, Dr. Bob... Uh, you've got a great book out, Mistake-Free Golf. You're located out at the, the David Ledbetter Academy right here in Orlando. So yeah, if, it was
0: great to have you out the other day, Holly. It was. It's fantastic.
3: It was. So if our listeners want to uh, fix some of their glitches and have a session with Dr. Bob, whether it's on the mental game or improving their, their putting or their, their swing, how do they contact you, Dr. Bob?
0: They can contact me at the David Ledbetter World Teaching Headquarters here in Orlando. They can go to my website, drbobwinters.com, and they can reach me right there. And you can even Google my name, and I guarantee I will show up in a lot of different places. So they can get a hold of me, and I hope they enjoy my new book, Mistake-Free Golf, because it's kind of like having Dr. Bob right there in your bag.
3: Absolutely. Well, we love having Dr. Bob on our show, and uh, we appreciate your time. Dr. Bob Winters, check him out, drbobwinters.com, or give him a call, 407-340-7785, and you can spend some time with one of the top, top mental coaches in the country. You're listening to the Golf Insiders, ninety six nine. The Game. Stay with us. More golf talk coming up.
1: Well,
0: I don't want to take all the credit for their talent, but uh, first I had to teach them to play golf, then I had to teach them to sing, and then I taught them to play various instruments, none of which they do very well.
1: We're back,
6: I'll
3: my the Golf Insiders. Right. Wrapping up an hour of Intelligent Golf Talk in the House, Holly G, along with Kevin Sternett from the Golden Bear Club and the Golf Insiders media guru, social media guru, Will Perry. And uh, we now turn to the Valero Texas Open, which begins tomorrow. One of the oldest tournaments on the tour began in 1922, Kevin Sternett. And the golf course, TPC San Antonio, rated, I think, the toughest course on tour outside of the majors. So this is a tough track. They've got a great field. And um, we're going to get to see Brandon Grace tee it up again for a second time, as well as Phil Mickelson, first time since he missed the cut at Augusta. And we're going to go to uh, one of our favorites. Todd Lewis from the Golf Channel, who's actually getting the week off and is at home this week. Hey, Todd.
6: Hey, guys. Uh, yeah, I've done five in a row, and I finally uh, have a week off here at home.
3: Good for you, and a little time with the new baby. Yeah, it's been great. Oh, so um, first, just your uh, thoughts on the win since, uh, you know, Brandon has broken through at uh, Harbor Town, and now we'll be playing again at Valero.
6: Well, it's not not really a surprise. I mean, I think he's the best South African player out there right now. And you know, there's no disrespect to the good ones out there, but I think he has a strong resume, not much in the United States. If you remember, he was in the mix the U.S. Open last year at Chambers Bay. Yes, he was. Um, so um, this is not a big surprise. And it, you know, for him to win on the golf course, that was, I mean, actually, I mean, he showed it, Jason Day, number one player in the world shot 79 on Saturday. So, I mean, it wasn't an easy track for him to win the way he did. was impressive. So, yeah, you know, Very, very nice win for him and see what that does for him, propelling him in the future here on the PGA Tour.
3: You think he's going to be a major winner? Um, I would rule it out eventually. I don't know if it's this year or not. Um, But,
6: I mean, if you look back now, he's had a taste of what it's like to be in one of the final groups at a major championship at the U.S. Open. Now he has a victory here in the States, uh, a recent one. Um, As I mentioned, he's won worldwide several times. so. You know, confidence is the most precious commodity on the PGA Tour, or actually on any tour on the global stage. And when you have that intangible evidence that all the work that you put in is paying off, then, yeah, I think he can elevate himself to the next level.
3: Tell us a little bit about this former University of Houston golfer, uh, Curtis Reed, who uh, is getting the chance to tee it up uh, at, at the Valero and is known as Mr. 57.
6: Yeah, from what I understand, I don't know much about him, I'll be honest. (laughs) Uh, But from what I understand about him, he's got tremendous game from the people I've talked to, Um, but now an opportunity. I mean, it's different when you're playing at the level that he was playing at, and then you step it up to the PGA Tour. Uh, I mean, very few have been able to bring that great success on a lesser tour, or a lesser level to the PGA Tour, so... He'll be an interesting watch. I, mean, I don't, I, I don't know what he's going to do this week. You know, I, I'm sure he's excited to to feel the nervousness, and and he's interested to see how he will react uh, on the world's greatest tour, which the PGA Tour is. So might be a might be a great
4: little side story to watch this week.
3: Yeah, absolutely. And uh, your impressions so far of Bryson DeChambeau?
4: <sighs> where where do you
3: begin? <laughs> uh- I'm very impressed with him. I actually had
6: a chance encounter with Bryson last year. A uh, quick little story I haven't told many people about, but I was at uh, the WGC. Then it was the Cadillac match play. If you remember, it was at TBC Harding Park in San Francisco last year before moving to Austin. And it was Sunday night. Uh, the event had ended. Roy McElroy had won, and I met a couple of buddies, including J.P. Fitzgerald, who was Roy's caddy at this Irish restaurant downtown in San Francisco. He said, come down, I know the owner. So I go down, and unbeknownst to me, SMU was playing at a collegiate event in San Francisco, and they were at the restaurant. And Bryson came up to me. I never met the young man. I guess he just watched the Golf Channel too much. And, <laughs> and he came up, and he introduced himself so politely with such ingenuity and kindness. It was really nice thing uh to encounter and then he goes on he wins the NCAA championship and he wins the U.S. Amateur and I've had to spend I got a chance to spend a little time with him at Bay Hill and I tell you you know just from him as a a person and his attitude and his personality if he is able if he is able to play very well which I have seen signs that he will I think he could be as big a star from a marketing perspective as Ricky Fowler. Um, but no, we'll doubt. To, no doubt. No we'll doubt. We'll have to see what he does. Is he? I talked to him at the Masters about it because, you know, we talked about him signing this Cobra Puma deal. And and he said, all of this is great. You know, it's wonderful. I'm excited to have this company behind me, but it means nothing, nothing if I'm playing on a PGA Tour or Latin America Tour. So it's up to him. And, you know, for him to get a top ten finish, his very first professional event again on a tough golf course like Harbortown speaks volumes about his game.
3: Yeah, first week as a professional, pretty pretty yeah. impressive stuff. So Phil Mickelson back in the field, first time uh, since the Masters missing the cut. Uh, was was that a big surprise? You
6: no, know, it was a big surprise. Um, I mean, I haven't spoken to you since Augusta, or, and I, I i I thought Phil had some pretty good game going into Augusta. I thought he could contend. And, um, you know, he flat out said he, it was the worst he managed his way around a golf course, I believe, it was the second day um, mm-hmm. that he's ever had, had an opportunity to tee it up at Augusta Four. And I was very surprised. Um, but maybe he's had time to think, you know, to let things heal a bit. Um, you know, Phil started to, Phil was playing so good at the beginning of the year, and he was so excited. His game had started to plateau just a bit. And uh, I think I think he understands that he needs to start ramping it up a bit because the U.S. Open is the event that he wants more than any on his resume that he doesn't have, um, and he needs to start building some momentum. And this would be a good way for him to do it.
3: Speaking of the majors, Rory, you know, sort of uh, let it out of the bag that he feels he's got some mental hurdles to get over at Augusta if he's going to create this is going to succeed at the career Grand Slam. Uh, you know he's always so forthcoming but what are your thoughts on that i think he'll be able to overcome them.
6: i think he's going to have a couple of green jackets in his closet before his career is over His game is just too good and you know i i think that i i i think that, that golf course sets up for him more than any other major championship venue more than you know the the one he won at hoy lake more than any other course here in the united states at the major championship venue i think it'll happen I think he's. I think he's going to. I think when he wins one, and I do think he will win at least one. And once that happens, I think it's going to open up the floodgates. He's going to win a couple more. He's just too talented.
3: Who do you think? We're a little, little ways out here, but you know, Oakmont. Who's on your radar? Who do you think is going to? Is, is Oakmont going to set up for any particular player in say the top ten that you see? Well, Oak-
6: Oakmont's going to be, unlike the last couple of U.S. Opens we've had at Pinehurst and at Chambers Bay, where there's very little rough, uh, you know, this this is going to be the traditional ankle-deep rough. I mean, Oakmont is so hard. I mean, it is such a hard golf course, and distance is not that big of a, an advantage. Um, God, I, you know, I it, it's tough to say, but I mean... I, if I had to put a dime on somebody right now, look, I know Jason had a terrible week last week, but he was coming off three or four in a row, um, and he, I think he was fatigued. But Jason Day, in my mind, is indeed the number one best player out there. He really is. I mean, Keita Green threw his bag. He's the best. So, I mean, if I had to say it right now, it would be Jason Day. But, you know, that's chalk. He's number one in the
4: world. But
3: we'll see how, we'll see how things build. And I, I'm interested to see how George Speeds reacts after what happened at the Masters.
6: At the U.S. Open.
3: And just to have 30 seconds, uh, Any your thoughts on when Tiger's going to return?
6: I do not think it'll be at the U.S. Open. I think it's too hard of a menu for him to come back. Uh,
3: I think it'll be sometime after the U.S. Open before
6: the Open Championship. So somewhere around there.
3: All right. Well, as always, Todd, we appreciate your time, especially when you've got a week off. Todd Lewis, the one, the only. From the Golf Channel. Thanks so much, my friend. Thank you. All righty. It's uh, been another great weekend in golf. Kevin Sternett, thanks so much. Thank you, Holly, From for the having Golden me. From the Golden Bear Club, Will Perry. Thank you very Check much. Check us today. out on Facebook and Twitter at The Golf Insiders. Look at you. Hey, hey, hey. And we'll be back next week. We love y'all. Wednesday, 6 to 7, The Golf Insiders. We're out of here. Bye bye.